Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space. So my postpartum lasted up until my daughter turned one. So for a whole year, I don't even really remember being a mother. I remember being severely depressed. I would just be in the dark. There were times that getting out of bed was the hardest thing ever. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey, lady. It's Terry here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. I'm hosting a free podcasting masterclass where I'm going to teach you how to create your impactful podcast and how you can generate multiple streams of income. You can visit podcastwithterry.com to register for free. I hope to see you there. All right, lady. Today we have a very, very special guest in Cultivating Her Space. So we're just going to jump right on in and tell you a little bit about her and then dive into this juicy conversation. April Hernandez Castillo's dream became a reality when she booked her first commercial as the Yo Girl in the Visa Check Card Spot, starring Yao Ming and Yogi Berra. The commercial would air for the Super Bowl and become a sports classic. You probably even remember that. She went on to star in television shows such as Law and Order, SVU, The Following, Person of Interest, and Elementary. April garnered a recurring role on Showtime's Dexter, which was nominated for a SAG nomination for Best Ensemble Cast. April is most noted for her powerful portrayal as Eva Benitez in the hit movie Freedom Riders, starring Oscar winner Hilary Swank. She recently worked on NBC's popular show New Amsterdam. And in addition to being a Hollywood actor, April is a mother, a wife, author, speaker, and a survivor. April, my girl, welcome to Cultivating Her Space. This is exciting. We're finally doing it. <laughs> I know, finally. Why do I feel like I have to whisper? What happens when you become a mom? Like, what are we talking about? Girl, 
I feel you because the baby's sleep right now. So I, I might be whispering to y'all. So don't mind me. It's all good. <laughs> we're so I, happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited. Yes. So we are going to get started with the, our quote of the day. And this quote should be really familiar to you, April, because as I mean, I know that Terry knows you, but as I was doing my research so that I could get to know you, I came across this article where you mentioned that this quote is a favorite of yours. Uh-oh. So this quote is from Rocky. It's not how hard you hit. It's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. April. Hands down, my favorite quote of all time. I was so curious when I saw it. At first, I was like, oh. And Terry and I had a conversation about this particular quote. And so I am so curious. Knowing some of your story, and you'll share some of it with us today, but how did this quote become your favorite quote? I guess it's my favorite quote because technically I have been knocked down, right? Physically knocked down by someone whom I loved through my abuse. So, so I really understand what that means. And then metaphorically, where you're talking about life, so many of us get knocked down. So many of us have just gotten punched in the gut, to say the least. And being a champion, there comes, there's like this thing where being a champion, it's really not about winning the game, but it's about the journey. It's everything that got you there. And so Rocky is probably my favorite movie. It is my favorite character ever created on cinema. But there was such a real lesson. And I share that every time I speak, I usually close with that because I think that so many people get knocked down by life and some just never get back up. Right. And so how do we share this message of life is always going to throw you a curveball. Life is always going to be tough. But how you get back up or how you resurrect or how you just say, how can I find the success in the mess, right? That there's still success in even in all of that mess. How do I do that? So that's probably why it resonates with me so much. It's very personal for me. That's so powerful. So powerful. Yeah. So April, if you had to describe your origin story. Uh, to the listeners, like those that are not familiar with you and your background, how would you describe that origin story? I know there's so much. <laughs> <laughs> My origin story, dope, adventurous, wild and freeing mm-hmm. is how I would describe it during one of the worst times in New York City. <laughs> so I grew up in the crack era. I grew up during the crack era. I grew up in a time where my background was just where I lived. It was broken glass. It was burnt down buildings. It was prostitution and pimps. Those were all of the things that I grew up with. But yet there was such a richness to growing up in the hood, right? There was just something about, wow, I never had to really worry. You know, we didn't have a lot. Most people didn't, but yet we had this freedom. There was freedom of just staying out in the street till late at night as a kid and going and figuring out, you know, where you can go, where you can't go. 
hanging out with different people. And I always had such an array of friends. I had I had stick up friends. <laughs> I had graffiti friends. I had artistic friends. I had dancers. So so there was always something interesting happening in the Bronx. And as we all know, like hip hop was birthed in the boogie down. And I love being from the Bronx. I really do. So there's a level of ownership and just pride that comes with it. I love that. I love how you take so much pride in, in mm-hmm. where you come from, right? Mm-hmm. And as you think about like your upbringing, how has your upbringing influenced who you are today? My upbringing it has influenced everything and in how I carry myself, how I deal in business, because it forced you growing up in a tough neighborhood to always be aware. You have to be quick. You have to be witty. You have to <laughs> find a way where there is no way. And honestly, it's really protected me from even having me too moments. You just don't take anybody's ish. (laughs) You feel me? You just don't do that. There's a level of like respect that we grew up for ourselves and it has carried over and translated into moments where, you know, I came across men who thought that they could have their way. And I was like, not today, Satan. (laughs) I am not that girl. (laughs) I am not the one you know, who would allow herself, although I fell into an abusive relationship, right, which is ironic, but it's, it still kept me on my toes. And, and, and I think that when you just grow up in that kind of environment, you always, you're always on your toes, you know, it just keeps you, keeps you fresh. Now, at the time of us recording this, ladies, there's a lot going on on social media, a lot of dramas playing out on social media around relationships. And so I feel like I, mm-hmm. I really want to dive into this because I, I think that you can offer a lot from your experience, April. But just to kind of give you context, because I am a pop culture gossip blog, you know, that's my it's my guilty pleasure. I'm kind of into that stuff. Right. So right now right. we have Summer Walker who just re- released her album. Right. It's supposed to be one of like, she's made history having, I don't quote me on this part, but like, it's one of the most popular, it's doing very well on the charts, right? Right. One of the best, I want to say female albums by way of the numbers that she's doing right now, right? And she just had a bad breakup with her baby daddy and, you know, all this stuff. So people are chiming in on that relationship. And then you have the baby, the rapper, mm-hmm. and Danny Lay, his, I don't know, third or second baby mama, I don't know, but they're going through a drama, right? And people on social media are divided. They're kind of, there's a combination of like victim shaming, where they're like, you know, shaming the woman saying, oh, you shouldn't be in that relationship anyway. Right. And then there are some people that are shaming him because he allegedly is, I guess he kicked, tried to kick her out of the house with the newborn when the newborn's three months. Right. So with all this stuff going on, it makes me think about how we as women find ourselves in situations, right. With partners. I know I've been there. Okay. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to be real. With partners that maybe aren't a good fit for us, Mm -hmm. where we may have to reflect on it and think, hmm, how did this happen? Right. So not trying to victim blame, but just can you talk about your experience, April? Mm-hmm. And like, how did that situation happen with the person that you loved? And you, you alluded to this earlier when we started, you being in a situation where, you know, you were assaulted, right? Mm-hmm. So can you talk a bit about that experience and like what you learned from that? 
Absolutely. Just really quick, I watched the video with the baby. I don't know why, but you know, social media doesn't allow you to just skim over things. You you you're just driven, right? You you go and you watch it. And I just think it's just so disgusting where we are as a society. I guess I'm old school where I don't put out my drama on like any social media. I just don't do that. That's not the school I come from. If I have a problem with you, if I'm dealing with you, you and I will talk on the side. But for me to not only degrade the the woman who gave birth to my child, but to degrade myself on top of everything that he's been going through, you know, with the whole homophobic and all that. I just, I just wonder why do we keep as a society applauding someone like that? Who's holding him accountable? Where do you think that it's okay to put on camera, to put on camera and degrade this woman? Now, I don't know the context. I don't know their relationship. I don't know if she's abusive. I don't know any of that. I'm only working with what I see. And that's the majority. And that's how we live as a society, right? We're only getting a caption, a moment of what is going on. And we make these judgments. But I was sitting there and I just felt sick to my stomach. Because there's kids involved and kids model behavior. And what makes you think that if, if he continues in this cycle, that his kids won't repeat the same cycle? Exactly. Right. I felt bad for her. But once again, I don't know the drama. It doesn't even matter what is going on. At the end of the day, you don't put your, your fighting, your personal life on camera. What, what was he doing to gain that? That's what I was thinking. And number one, and, and number two, like who is, who is just shaking him and saying, my brother, what are you doing? I don't know if you noticed, but you don't have a good track record right now in society. <laughs> and doing something like this, whether you think you're right or wrong, it doesn't help the narrative. And what happens is, is that you have young brown and black folk who would see that and replicate the behavior. So, you know, I'm going to do exactly what, you know, the baby did. I'm going to put my girlfriend on blast and I'm going to throw her out. And I want everybody to see when did we become this society that is just, it's just monstrous. It's just like, wow, this is, this is intense. And, and so when I fell into my situation, there was no social media, there was no cameras around. So everything I experienced was in private. So I was physically and emotionally abused for about three and a half years. And it wasn't until, you know, I thought, man, he's going to either kill me or I'm going to kill him. And that to me was the point where I had to finally say, I can't do this any longer because I just knew it was leading there. And it was, it was just, it was beyond toxic. This wasn't even toxic. This was just deplorable, right? This was just like, this is disgusting, inhumane of how I was being treated. And until a person has respect for themselves, until a person says, I can't allow this treatment anymore, it really starts with taking responsibility for yourself. That's so hard. As I'm listening to you share that, right? And I think about, and at the time that we're recording this, we're on the heels of Domestic Violence Awareness Month, right? And just recognizing how hard it is when you're in that position, right? When mm-hmm. you find yourself 
in that abusive relationship. Right. That if you're in that relationship, then chances are how you feel about yourself is already pretty low. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you are feeling like that, it's hard to get to that point where you say, okay, this is it. I'm done. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so April for you, what was that moment where you knew I have to get right with me? Like you mentioned, you, you know, you Mm -hmm. said that you had to, you had to turn the focus internally. What was the moment when, when you realized, no, this is, I have to take care of me. Right. Oh, easily. It's the moment where I knew I wanted to try to commit suicide. And this is when suicide is not a common thing as it is today. You know, back when I was a kid, no one committed suicide. Like, no one. It really, or you just didn't hear about it if it did happen. And, and so it was just having those suicidal ideations where I thought, hmm, this is really dangerous now. I'm in a dangerous space because I'm willing to even have a thought that if I no longer exist on earth, life would be better. And I believe that most people who experience trauma or just have hard times in life, most people probably have that same thought. What would life be like if I did, was no longer existent, right? Like if I wasn't here. And, and I, that's such a sad thought. Right. That's that's such a heartbreaking thought, because now it's not just adults, it's children. It's children. I just saw a post like a week ago of a young, beautiful black girl who was like eight or nine years old committed suicide. How does she even know that that is an option? Where are we failing our kids that they even think that that is an option? Right. And that's the thing with suicide and the suicidal thoughts. It makes you feel that all of my pain will go away. And it does. Right. Because you're not here. But in the grand scheme of things, you say, no, there's there's help. There's help and there's hope and there's people who are willing to to, to be there for you. So for me, that was the moment. And, and, and any person who's experienced abuse has their threshold. And that's why it takes a woman seven to eight times to actually leave a relationship. And when I talk about domestic violence or intimate partner violence, we feel like it's a woman's issue because the majority of the phone calls and reports that are made are by women. But this is not a woman's issue, right? This is an everyone, man, it doesn't matter what gender you are. This is what doesn't matter what race, doesn't matter about, you know, your, your status in life, abuse is abuse. And so I always mention that because people sometimes get turned off when they think that this is a woman's issue. But the only reason that, that we talk about it in that context, it is because of the fact that the majority of calls that are made, meaning a 911 call, or the reports that are created are, are from women. That's a really good point. Thank you for sharing that, April. And I know you have so, there are so many different topics that we could dive into with you. And right. we appreciate you being open about that part of your story. But we really want to dive into your pregnancy as well, just to learn, because we know you had a challenging experience there. And so Mm -hmm. just talking about maybe 
what the most exciting part of your pregnancy was and then going into what caused the most stress during your first pregnancy. Terry, I have to ask you a question. Have you had a moment where you wanted wine and coffee at the same time? (laughs) I'm not a coffee drinker, but wine and maybe some Red Bull and a couple other things. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, that's like, you know, I was wondering, I said, I don't know if she drinks coffee or not, but you know, you've hit a level of motherhood when you're like, you see this wine glass pour the coffee in the wine glass. So I feel like I'm having both. Yeah. Motherhood for me, it was not something I, I dreamed of. I never wanted to become a mother. I never wanted, I never saw motherhood for myself. And obviously being in an abusive relationship, having a very complicated relationship with my own mother, it really disrupted my ability to see myself as someone wanting to embrace motherhood. So my husband and I, we've been together for 20 years, but it took us 11 years before we thought of having our first child. And so I always tell people both of my children were planned. I know that's not like a typical thing to do in the Latinx community, (laughs) right? I know that's culturally, we're just, you know, thinking out the box, but we planned our children and it just, it was, you know, I also had an abortion and that played a part in me not wanting to have a child. So when I finally came to the decision of like, okay, we're going to do this. Wow. And when you start and the moment that you don't become pregnant, you know, that first month where you run and you're, you know, you, you automatically think I can't get pregnant because I had an abortion. So number one, I, I'm never going to be a mom because I had an abortion. That's, that's the first thought. And, and then you do become pregnant and it was an amazing pregnancy. You know, I felt great. I worked out. I was very happy. I looked fabulous, honey. So that whole thing about that girl steal your beauty, my daughter made me even more beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I hate when people be like, oh, girls make you ugly. I'm like, honey, I was a snack. Okay. Go ahead, girl. <laughs> and I, I was made up all the time because my mother was like, don't you dare be looking like a hot mess. And I, and I just was like, never, never. And it was great. And, but I ended up, having an emergency C-section because I came down with preeclampsia, which no one in all the weeks leading up to my pregnancy, my doctor never spoke to me about preeclampsia Oh my goodness. and the severity and the amount of women that die. Yes. And when you learn about this, you just go like, why isn't anyone talking about this? Why are 10,000 women dying every year? Like that was the number back then. So I can imagine how much it's gone up. How can 10,000 women like die of this? And, and why, isn't, why isn't this the first thing that a doctor talks to you about the moment that you become pregnant? So once I found out that I had that, I had to have an emergency C-section. And that was just devastating. That was devastating. So I've had two C-sections. I don't know what vaginal birth is like. And I actually had a family member who was a woman tell me, well, you didn't really give birth. Oh my gosh. That's so dismissive. I just wanted to smash. Like, you know, because invalidating what in the world? Yeah. Like, oh, you didn't really give birth. Like, you don't know what that feels like. And I thought I would if I could give birth compared to a C-section, 
I would. And the, I, I know that women who have given birth, they're like, oh, it's a level of pain. And I go, no, you don't know pain until you've had seven layers of your abdominum cut open. And then you, you know, have to figure out how to maneuver for the next couple of weeks while you're healing from a massive operation. So this whole thing of, you know, paternity leave, maternity leave, and not the, the lack of support that mothers receive is just, is sad. It's sad. It really, truly is. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sometimes, as you mentioned, like it comes from within our own families, right? And that's, mm-hmm. and that can be even more hurtful. Right. And so, April, one of the things that often happens is moms experience pregnancy blues, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm remembering the statistics correctly, like 85% of moms experience pregnancy blues, right? Right. But there's a difference between pregnancy blues and postpartum depression. And so can you tell us, for our listeners who don't know, what your experience was like with postpartum depression and what you want women and all of their loved ones to understand about postpartum depression? All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans. And it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black stories, Black truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the rich black auntie. It was good. Now, you know, black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, 
you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Postpartum depression feels as if an alien takes over your body and takes control of your brain and it like disconnects everything. So you are completely disconnected, not only internally, but externally, meaning you look at your child. Now, everyone has different symptoms. I'm just talking about like mine and most women where I've spoken to or read about they just did not connect with their child. So that first moment of like, oh, you know, for me, I was completely terrified. I was still in shock that I had to have a C-section and, and not knowing like, how do you get through this? And after about a month, month and a half, I knew I was not well. So my postpartum lasted up until my daughter turned one. So for a whole year, I don't even really remember being a mother. I remember being severely depressed. I would just be in the dark. There were times that getting out of bed was the hardest thing ever. And my husband only had one week off. One week. That's insane. I just can't. Right? Can we talk about this? Like, one week off and it was just like, wow, I have this little human being who I'm supposed to take care of. I, I can't bear, I can barely take care of myself. And how am I going to do this? And I, and I think that so many women experience postpartum depression and there's a level of shame that comes with it because you see other women and you compare your relationship, right? Like we, we, all we do is compare ourselves, right? Oh my gosh, look at her body is snapped back in like two days. That alone, because you're looking at your body and once you have that cut, you know, you, your, your stomach is not the same, nothing looks the same and you just go through these moments, but there is a chemical imbalance and it not only affects you, it also affected my husband which no one talks about how it affects the spouse. And he couldn't understand my grief. He couldn't understand why I was not as excited as he was. So it was an extremely dark year for me for the first time of being a mother, which is like, you know, I sometimes be like, Lord, that was not fair. So that was a moment where I was knocked down. Yeah, that's so challenging. And having just gone through like giving birth almost like eight months ago, mm-hmm. I can totally empathize with that. And I know Dom has her own experiences that she can empathize, you know, with you around as well. And so just thinking about that, did you back then? I don't think people talked about postpartum depression as much as they're talking about it now. Like I think mental health is now being talked about a lot more, including postpartum depression. But back then. What did you do for support? Like, how did you get through that time? So I have one of my soul sisters, because she's not even my friend. She's just a soul sister. She's a believer. She loves the Lord. And she would call me 
to check up on me. And most of the time, all I would do was cry. And I would just tell her how much pain I was in. And all she would do was just say, girl, just get up and go take a shower. I will stay on the phone if you need me. That level of commitment, that level of saying, I am here for you, really, she like she defined it in a way that I've never experienced, where she would just sing, she would just pray, she would just, she would just say, girl, just get up, comb your hair, and take a shower. And my mind, I had to really say, I'm getting up, I'm going to take a shower, and I'm going to brush my teeth. And that was the level of like, that was a successful day for me and just having her. And then eventually I started, I had to see a therapist because it was becoming, it was just becoming dangerous. It really was. I mean, my husband would come home and all the lights would be off. There were times there where my daughter would cry and I just, I would be in another room because I didn't want to hurt her. And I, and I felt like I really wanted to. Thank you for sharing that too, April, because like you said, there's so much shame that, you know, women feel because of these feelings that they have. And I don't know about you, but even today, um, I didn't necessarily struggle with postpartum depression. However, when my daughter cries, like that baby crying, it's anxiety inducing. Like I remember, you know, before I had kids, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so patient. Like if a baby cries, I'll be fine. Like, oh my God. But when you live with the child and it's your child and it's like a constant thing, you're like, okay, you're fed. I changed your diaper what's going on? It's like this right. scream at the top of their lungs. It can be very stressful. So the fact that you're just so open about your experience, I think that is so liberating for other women who may experience the same thing. Right. And they're just like, well, I don't want to say it because I feel ashamed. Right. Or I'm embarrassed. Yeah. You, you feel embarrassed. And, and yeah. especially if the women around you are like kick-ass moms, you know, you're just like, I can't even take a bath. Right? Yeah. You, you, you don't want to even share that. But it wasn't until I sat with my therapist and she simply asked me the most profound question. And it was, how are you feeling? Because most mothers don't get asked that. Because once a mother gives birth, we're forgotten. It's all about the baby. And it's sort of like, why do we, why are we forgotten? Like, I'm still very much attached to this child. I don't have a life right now. I don't remember the last time I took a bath. I don't remember the last time I ate food without it being cold. And yet we're rarely asked, how are you feeling? And not some, how are you feeling, girl? And you're like, I'm okay. No, it is like, what feeling can you give me right now? And I just was like, I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I feel bamboozled. I feel like someone failed me and no one told me the reality of what real motherhood looks like for me. Now you have other women who they can have babies out the wazoo and, and, you know, Hey, good for them. But a regular, just woman trying to figure her life out, especially a single mom. I, I can't even imagine I can't, like a single mothers are superheroes <laughs> to me. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. That, It's hard out here for moms and Mm -hmm. oftentimes there are a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes to make everything run smoothly Right, that people do not acknowledge. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you opening up with us and, and sharing what your experience was like. 
And so, and we know that you have two beautiful, beautiful girls. Mm -hmm. And so when you came around, because you said you were working with your therapist. Mm -hmm. And so when it came time for baby number two, right. Were there things that you did differently or things that you thought were, okay, well, I'm going to do this to prevent what happened before. And then things may not have gone the way you planned. Yeah. I, th I think my main goal, well, number one, I waited four years later to have my second daughter because as cute as people think it is to have the other child right after the other one, that to me is the craziest thing, unless you have a housekeeper you know, someone, a chef cooking okay. for you, a, a, a nanny, you know, a nanny. Mm -hmm. so I just, when I hear people be like, Oh, just get it out the way. I'm like, what do you mean? Get it out the way. Like, this is a child. I can't get it out the way. It's not a toy truck that I'm throwing <laughs> away into the roof. Like, okay. This is a little human being who is going to depend on me on top of dealing with another one. So I knew that for sure. And I just also knew that <sighs> I had the tools now to express myself. I had the tools that I needed to say, this is what is needed. If you need, if you want me to have another child, this is what I'm expecting from you as my husband, which I didn't really have those things because I'm a new mom. And I just, I just made sure, you know, they kept reassuring me that the second C-section would be different. And it was a completely different experience. You know, when I had my daughter, Lila, I fell in love with her the moment I saw her. It was. It was all of the things that you hear of that I got to experience. And now, you know, I look at them and, you know, I'm tired, <laughs> but I, I go, wow, I can't, I can't even imagine them not in my life now. But, but I really just also think because the greatest thing I've decided to do is be completely transparent with my daughters. I am not here to play Wonder Woman. As much as I think she's fabulous and she's in a comic, she has never had a C-section. She doesn't know what it's like to have cellulite. She doesn't even know what it's like to have real children. So why am I going to idolize someone who is completely not real? I want to idolize the women who are kicking butt. I want to idolize the women who have their babies, but they're still making, making their dreams come true. Those are the women that I want to look up to. And I want to be around, I want to be around other mom, moms who are just not faking the funk. I don't, ha I don't have time to fake the funk. I'm not here to do that. I'm not, I'll never put up a social media post that makes my life look amazing. That's just not what I do. So transparency for me is the key to like being the best mom that I can be. That is so beautiful. And I'm so happy for you that you did get to have that experience that right. you didn't really have in the, in the first time around. So speaking of Wonder Woman and women that you look up to, how has motherhood impacted your career? Because I know many moms, we have to put stuff on the back burner and it just changes things. So how's it impacted April's career? Last week, I was about to quit acting. And that's just real. Because it is mother effing hard. The hurdles that you have to go through to show up on camera, right? No one... No one really understands the life of an artist unless you are an artist. People assume that you create art and everybody buys. <laughs> no. Or people assume that you are on camera, so that means that you're working all the time. 
when I tell people, when you don't see me on a show, I'm always working, but I'm working triple time because I'm still doing my best to make my dreams come true and show my daughters that like making your dreams and your goals and living out your purpose is so important, but it is, I'm exhausted. So like last night I was putting myself on tape at 10 o'clock and I just sat there like, like, God, you, you need to open up these doors and I just book a show and I'm a superstar. Cause I can't do this. I'm 41. Like I, <laughs> but I, I can't lose myself. And I think that that's the, that, that the trap that most mothers fall into where, you know, they put their dreams away. They stop dreaming. They stop setting goals. And I go, why? Where in the book of parenthood does it say, stop dreaming? Where does in the book of life say that you can't eat a meal first and your baby's meat eat second? You know what I'm saying? Especially like culturally, God forbid you eat first. And I'm like, look, this food is good. I'm taking, I'm, I'm eating first. <laughs> and so the more I dream and make my dreams come true, then the more my, my children will model that behavior. All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans. And it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black stories, Black truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the rich black auntie. It was good. Now, you know, black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us, 
without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. And it's happening now, right? My daughter, she's an actor. So not only am I managing myself, I'm I'm managing my daughter. So that's a whole new world that I'm learning, but I wouldn't have it any other way. That's such a good point. I think that mom guilt is what gets a lot of women too. And doing what those that came before us did. Like I watched a lot of women put other people before themselves, their husbands, their partners, the kids, and then they were depleted. So I'm with you. I will eat that meal first. I'm like, all right, when my cup is full, then I'll be able to serve, you know, everyone else. It's it's the same concept, right? When we, when, for those of you who, who do drink coffee, right? There is something that happens when you smell coffee and then you put it in the cup, drink the it's so beautiful. It's so There's beautiful. nothing else. The second, third sip, it's, it's not, not the, the same, same as the first. Yep. Right. So, yes. so when you when you feel that, and that cup of coffee fills your cup, in the sense, fills your soul, then when you're filled, you can fill. Yes. When you fill yourself, you can fill everyone up. But the majority of women are operating on empty. It is that that gas sign that is constantly like it's going and you put enough just to get through the week. Right. I'll put thirty dollars more. But just imagine if you if you really put that money into like you saying, you know, what, we're going to do this as a family. We're going to dream as a family. We're going to complete goals as a family. And I tell women all the time, I go, don't just make it about you and invite your entire family. So that way you're not the only one leading this ship. And so that way, when you win, they win. And when they win, you win. And everybody feels like they're gaining something. I love that. And so my guess is that it is that way of operating that has led to your daughter becoming Mm -hmm. a star of her her own show. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners who haven't made the connection yet, (laughs) Tell us, what is your daughter doing? My daughter is a voice actor and a television film actor. She booked her first animation last year during the pandemic for a cartoon called Alma's Way, which is on PBS and PBS Kids. And it's about a little girl who's Puerto Rican living in the Bronx. And it is amazing to see her grow. Her work ethic is something I've never witnessed in a child. She absolutely loves what she does. So it's not something that is forced. She actually helps me with my auditions. She coaches me. She gives me and and her ability to just really internalize the direction and give it back to me. There's been several times I have her read with me. She tells me to go. She tells me if I sucked. (laughs) She tells me all these things. So once again, I if someone would have told me that this is what I would be doing with my daughter, I probably would have laughed. But it's wild when, as a parent, you see your child operate in their gift at an early age. But it's only because she watches her mother constantly go after her dream. So she doesn't know anything else. To her, there's always a goal. There's dreams. You know, her dream right now is to work with Lynn Manuel. That's one of her biggest dreams. 
She wants to do a television show with me. She wants to go to Paris. So she dreams very big. And that's because that's what we do as a family. We're constantly saying, what's the new dream that we want to make come true? So it's a blessing. She will surpass me. And it's fascinating. She will be greater than me. And that's the purpose, right? To the, for the student to surpass the teacher. And because I'm not only her mom, I'm mentoring her. And I'm also coaching her. I'm her coach. I separate myself. I separate from, okay, I'm mom and saying, I can step into this and coach you because coaches bring out the best. And, and I'm hard on her. I'm very honest with her. I, I don't break her spirit because you don't ever get anything good out of that. But I always tell her that worked. This is how you can improve. That is so beautiful and magical. And it, and it makes me a little just teary eyed thinking about mm-hmm. what you get to do with your daughter. Like this is your passion, your dream. And you get to work with her on hers. And it's so similar. So that's so amazing. April, you've dropped so many gems. You've been so transparent. And at this point, we want to shift up the energy okay. of this conversation. Okay. Okay. I'm and ready. because we recognize, appreciate, and celebrate the multifaceted woman. And we believe that it's okay to be bougie classy and ratchet oh yeah you can still be elegant right and dance mm-hmm. to strip club music if you so choose yeah so april we want to invite you to the ou ratchet segment so do you take <laughs> on the challenge <laughs> yes yes okay i love it so now that we got you and you've agreed now we're going to okay. tell you what you signed up for okay okay <laughs> so we're going to ask you three questions we're going to share three sentence completions and then We're going to have you choose one of three photos that we have pulled up from social media of you so that you can give us more context about the photo, something that we don't know by looking at the photo here. Okay. 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 You ready? Okay. Oh my gosh. I'm scared. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? My mom, this is very raw, but she would always say, grab the bull by the balls. I love it. I love we that. Like, yes, we like raw yes. on the show, so this is perfect. Yes. <laughs> Grab the bull by the balls. I love that. All That's right. That's a good mindset. It is. Because <laughs> just go for it. You go, right. go, go all in. Go big or go home. Yes. And so the next question is twerk or two step? I'm a two step. I'll do a two step. We got you. Yeah. We got you. We love a good two step. Ain't nothing wrong with a two step. Ain't nothing wrong with a two step. Yeah, we love a good two step. I'm a good two step. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> twerking is question. scary. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. No judgment. No judgment. The next question for you, April, is what's the sexiest item you own? My red lipstick. Hey. Okay. We see you, red lip. We see you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so now for, we're going to move to our sentence completion. Okay. One question or topic I wished people asked me about more often is. How do you keep pushing forward? Well, April, how do you keep pushing forward? You just think about, for me, all the gifts that you have, Right. And say, have I lived out as much as I can? How can I multiply? How can I live my wildest dream to the greatest possibility? Like, to me, that's that's how you just keep pushing forward. 
that there's always the other side of the coin. And it's not that the grass is greener, but there's always another chance. There's always another possibility. I love that. I love that yeah. so much. There's always hope, right? That's, that's super inspiring. And right. that takes us to our last sentence completion before we dive into your photos. Yes. And the last sentence completion is, what I love most about myself is... My wittiness. Yeah, I would say my wittiness. I get that from my mother. We can tell by the, the piece of advice that she gave you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go ahead, Mama Dukes. Go ahead, Mama Dukes. So, you know, people we are have... like, you know, believe in yourself. I'm like, no, my mama used to say, grab the bull by the balls. <laughs> That's what mama said. <laughs> so, if we have three photos oh. pulled up. Okay. And they're all so good, but you got to choose one to three. And okay. then we'll just show you the photo. But man, I just, I wish we could dive into all of them, honestly. Okay. Now, am I describing them or? So you just choose a number one through three, and then I'm going to show you the photo and then you describe it to us and tell oh. us something about the photo that we would know by looking at it. Okay. Two. Yes. Okay. This is a good one. This is a good one. Get ready. I'm going to share the screen. Okay. And you can describe it to the people that are not. Oh, yeah. That are not actually viewing the photo on Patreon with us. But describe the photo and then tell us something about this photo that we wouldn't know by looking at it. Oh, my gosh. So this was. Oh, Lord have mercy. This pre-babies. <laughs> so this was the red carpet for Freedom Riders. And I remember being in the limo. And my friend asked me, are you ready for this? Are you ready? And I said, absolutely. And the moment I said that, the door opened and there was like the longest red carpet for Freedom Riders. But this dress was a Dolce & Gabbana. And I found it on the floor in a fitting room at Saks Fifth Avenue. And it was, I caught it on sale because it was like <laughs> during Christmas and my friend, she actually found it and she said, girl, if this fits you, this is the dress. And, and it fit and I still have that dress to this day. And actually Kim Kardashian wore that dress one time. Mm -hmm. Get out. Oh, that's a fun, wow. juicy story right there. Yes. You look bomb, girl. Yes. You yes. here showing out. Y'all gonna have to tune in on Patreon to watch the interview and look at April just showing <laughs> yes. out over there, okay? Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing your story, yeah. your insight, your experiences, and also just for being so transparent and real. Yeah. Because I think that when we do that, we do liberate other people and allow yeah. them to be honest about their stories, right? And the not so exciting moments about life or motherhood or whatever it might be. So we appreciate you. We celebrate you. And we'd love to know where can people find you online? How can they support you? What are you working on? Let us know. Absolutely. Well, they can support me by purchasing a book. I released my memoir last year called Embracing Me. They can get it on Amazon. They can also watch Alma's Way, which is on PBS. And if they want to follow me, they can catch me on Instagram at April L. Hernandez. And on LinkedIn, it is April Hernandez Castillo. Hey, lady. It's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California and contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D 
com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website, cultivatingherspace.com, and be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. Greatness is my birthright, so I no longer ask for permission.